So did you see the Fox News interview of Tucker Carlson and Kyle Rittenhouse a couple days ago? I've seen bits and pieces, but I couldn't stomach the whole thing. (laughs) For those that haven't seen it yet, Tucker Carlson somehow got an exclusive with Kyle Rittenhouse literally days after he was acquitted. Somehow, miraculously. And I I really thought that it was like a a traumatic experience for Kyle. Couldn't talk about it. Spoke (laughs) fine about it, by the way. But in the interview, Kyle dropped a bombshell. He said that he supports the Black Lives Matter movement. Crazy. And he also said that he couldn't imagine how a person of color would have gotten through the trial based on what he was exposed to with like prosecutorial misconduct. I absolutely love showing my support for the BLM movement by counter protesting <laughs> a BLM protest. Bro literally and <laughs> after he said all of this, conservatives were going crazy on Twitter. Buck wild, I did see that. Yeah, they were going crazy. They were like, "I can't believe I prayed for this guy." <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I was rooting for him this whole time just for him to say he likes black people. Oh, my God. That demon, that devil child. Also, you know, he's lying. Oh, yeah. One thousand. <laughs> apparently, apparently before, like before the shooting had happened or maybe even just before the trial, he had said that he supported Black Lives Matter like online mm-hmm. or something. But like you don't go to a protest, clean up graffiti and then <laughs> shoot two people and be like, yeah, I support yeah. Black Lives Matter. Also, he was hanging out with like Proud Boys doing the OK symbol and stuff. I don't know. Like, you don't support Black Lives Matter, you know? Bro's just lying. But also with Kyle Rittenhouse, um, there's a lot of Republicans that are right now, like, want to get Kyle Rittenhouse for an intern. (laughs) It'll be a boost politically. And also, you know, Kyle Rittenhouse, he's a hot commodity right now. And honestly, that's not even the funniest thing that's come out of the the Rittenhouse internship situation. Uh uh So, so, (laughs) uh, like I said, a lot of Republicans vying for that spot. You got people like Matt Gates, Madison Cawthorn. They want him in their office. So Madison Cawthorn said to Laura Bobart, Laura Bobart, they both want Kyle Rittenhouse. Yeah, yeah, naturally. They both want him. Bobart and uh, Cawthorn both want Kyle Rittenhouse as an intern. And Cawthorn was like, well, I'll arm wrestle you for him. Whoever wins gets Rittenhouse. (laughs) Bobart responded with, (laughs) you have too much muscle on your arms. You're too strong. How about we race instead? (laughs) No, no, no. And Madison Cawthorn's in a wheelchair from a car accident, by the way. He can't walk. (laughs) Actually, the one time he did stand up. RNC? RNC, baby. (laughs) I just, I can't believe. Actually, I should believe, but like, Laura Bobar said, (laughs) said, how about we race for it? A foot race. Because that's the same thing. Yeah, because her not like having strong arms is the same thing as this dude literally just not being able to walk. (laughs) (laughs) And and he can't, like, he can't get mad about that. Not at all. He cannot retaliate publicly. No, he's got to take it as a joke or else he's going to be seen as weak. I think that's hilarious. It is soft. It is like comically ableist. He's he's trapped (laughs) in the prison that he's created for himself. Exactly. (laughs) That is so funny to me. I wonder who's going to get Kyle as an intern because you know he's going to take it. I don't know. I don't know. It depends. Is it an uphill race or a downhill race? (laughs) Welcome back to the show, everybody. <laughs> Welcome back to In the Office, everyone. Oh, yeah. On that note, um, we got we got a lot planned today. I hope you all are ready for an episode that is full of hatred. Call it the two minutes hate. Just hating on the libs. Yeah. Fair warning. Trigger warning. This episode is quite literally 
dangerous levels of neoliberal. This is peak neoliberal. Oh, yeah. I didn't think we could get here. If you are susceptible to cringing at liberals, I would say... Um, turn it off right now. <laughs> turn the volume down. Uh, start drinking like some tea or some wine to relax because oh, this yeah. is going to be a doozy. I'd say some liquor. Yeah, because... Um, <laughs> It's getting, a tough one look, to get through. I Before we even get into it, before I even tell you the topics that we're talking about today, yeah. I hope you all appreciate our commitment to the cause because <laughs> the articles we read were so long. It took me like an hour to read that one. Yeah, because we're yeah. reading and taking notes. It's painful. 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 Uh, but before we get into the episode, make sure to head out, uh, go and check out the social media, Patreon, YouTube, TikTok, know the drill by now. head in the office on all the platforms. Uh, we appreciate the support. We've been getting more support recently. Um, thanks, the thanks. the video did pretty well on the last. It the did. YouTube last... video did pretty well. Oh, full for video. Real? Yeah, it's doing well. Damn, our last doing, TikTok did pretty well too. Doing substantially better than before. So we you appreciate we the are. support. Uh, we don't got any reviews to read today. Oh, that's tragic. But if you want to have your review read on the pod, you know what to do. You know what to do. Go to Apple, leave a review, five star review. We'll read the next time around. You know the drill. Exactly. Now, before we uh, <laughs> before we uh, kill you with the cringe that yeah. is these two articles we have. Quick COVID update. Yeah, we gotta we gotta dive in to an update because guess what, guys? New variant just dropped. New COVID dropped. So a new variant has been discovered in South Africa, and it's given like a, I don't know what is this like a code or something? It's oh yeah, that's like the actual like yeah. science code. The science you know? code is B one one five two nine. You may have seen it in the news. It's probably the biggest news story yeah, this week. It's the it's the Omicron variant. Oh, that's, that's what they're calling. That's it. pretty that's, sick. That's the Greek letter. That's yeah. gonna kill us for sure. <laughs> that's a crazy name. Um, so preliminary findings suggest that the variant may have more mutations than previous COVID-19 variants, and it may be a lot more infectious. But oh, Gage yeah. said maybe not more deadly? I think I saw somewhere that it's not. People right now think it's not as deadly, but they know it's more infectious. So that's yeah. fun. But who fucking knows? Yeah. And in response, a lot of countries, several countries actually rushed to ban travel from South Africa. Yes, but not any of the other countries that have reports of this variant. Yeah, because I was, I was going to say the strain has also been found in Israel, Botswana, Hong Kong, and Belgium. Mm, like, it's kind of the same situation that Trump was in with the China ban, the just China ban. Yeah. Where he just banned from China, but not anywhere else that already had COVID. <laughs> yeah, and then he was like, I stopped COVID yeah, as oh, people continue yeah, to die from COVID. But it's like people rightfully called him a little xenophobic for that. Yes. But now that we're talking about just a South Africa ban, but not an Israel ban. Oh, we can't do that. To we could never. We well, could never do that. To be fair, to the United States the hasn't. The United States hasn't taken any action to ban travel. We from haven't. South we're yet. just talking about it. It's, it's been mostly countries in Europe, like the UK, Germany, France. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it's and, and like you said, it's only uh, travel bans for South Africa. So that's interesting. Yeah. But you know, over concerns of the new strain. I wonder what that's about. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder if that's motivated. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Dr. Fauci, he said that the U.S. is quote rushing to get information on the variant, but it's not the U.S. yet. Yeah, Apparently. it's not here. It's not here. Um, but it is spreading at a very rapid rate and may be able to evade the vaccines. So that's pretty sick. Speaking of it being able to evade the vaccines, quick, quick headline that I saw, I think like right before we started shooting, Moderna is working, uh, is going to try and work on reformulating their vaccine to fight against the Omicron variant if news arises that Omicron can dodge the vaccines. Can they even do that quickly, though? Uh, It depends. Because I have no idea. I, I also have no idea. Nice. You know? So on this pod, we have no idea. <laughs> exactly. I'd imagine they could. Because didn't they use um a little bit of CRISPR to like uh God. write the mRNA sequence and shit? I heard the word CRISPR before, but I got no idea. You did? Like with relation to the vaccine shit? I think so. Okay, yeah. I'm pretty sure they use CRISPR to like write the mRNA that is in the vaccine. Because yeah. that's what you do. CRISPR is a gene editing program. 
And I'm sure they could alter the spike protein that it codes to make mm-hmm. so that it could fight against the Omicron variant. It could mimic the spike yeah, yeah, proteins yeah. in the Omicron. But, you know. Just a reminder, uh, listen to your public health officials, not just us. Yeah, please. please <laughs> a lot of speculation on the pod right now. Exactly. exactly. Uh, but scientists and researchers, they've mobilized to South Africa quickly. Um, but it's uncertain what kind of threat the variant poses right now. Yeah. So they're just they're trying to figure it out. It's pretty, pretty new news, if you will. Yes. Um, and honestly... After this news dropped, I like I felt frustrated personally. Oh yeah. Like I understand why people are starting to get more and more frustrated with all of like the conflicting restrictions, like mask mandates in some places mm-hmm. but not in others, vaccine mandates in some places and not others. Um and with the new variant, it's like you taking away the UI benefits. There's no eviction moratorium. Oh yeah. Conflicting restrictions. Like it's it's frustrating, it's like, you know. What happens when the variant gets here and we find out that it is just as, if not more deadly? than regular covid or delta covid yeah are we gonna lock down no shot in like no, I, I don't think so no no shot in like purple states like uh michigan or wisconsin like the ones that are virginia yeah virginia <laughs> like no shot in in purple states or newly purple states <laughs> yeah uh that we're actually gonna get any more lockdowns like i don't think we're gonna get lockdowns like no matter what yeah like unless people are dropping dead in the streets literally i don't think that the public will be willing to go to another lockdown Mm-mm. because the public is so scientifically illiterate yeah it's and ridiculous I, I don't even think that most politicians are going to be willing to take the hit because they already all, took the political just punch yeah, to the jaw they're all also scientifically illiterate and they want to get reelected in 2022 exactly like Gre- big Gretch want to get it reelected as we'll get into later on all they care about is electability yeah that is it yeah that's it they only care about the polls nothing else <laughs> um and i saw this take on twitter but i thought it's interesting to bring up it is not I feel like we can't blame this new strand entirely on anti-vaxxers. I don't think it's really their fault at yeah. all. Like, they're definitely because... contributing to the problem of COVID. Yeah. But we really, like Moderna, AstraZeneca, like all the all the vaccine manufacturers really could have released the IP. Yeah, because you know I mean? we're literally hogging all of the vaccines along exactly. with the other, you know, wealthy countries in the world. And the corporations just won't release the uh, the patents. Yeah. They won't let other like uh, non-AstraZeneca, non-Pfizer entities make these vaccines. It's, it's a, capitalism's it's fault as well. It's a global capitalism exactly. issue. And the, because the variant didn't pop up here, I don't think we can entirely blame it on our anti-vaxxer population. You yeah. Know what I mean? Because like that's the thing about how mutations work in viruses. If you don't know, mutations are literally entirely random. Yep. Like that's just what happens. It's just a random mishap, mutation maybe that happens when the virus is replicating inside you. Yeah, I was going to say, isn't it an issue of like when the DNA is replicating, something different happens? Yeah, it's literally like just it's- when the DNA is being replicated, there's one of like, I forget how many exactly like mutations. There can be like misends, nonsense, mishap, like mm-hmm. different things. These are scientific names for it. And it's just random. Like yeah. one codon will be replaced for another, and then you get a completely different protein. And I, I hate it especially because this is going to reinforce what anti-vaxxers have been saying. Literally, literally. Like, and and that's the thing is that like it's rightfully so reinforcing their uh, I don't know their misconceptions of what mm-hmm. vaccines really do because we haven't released vaccines to the global community, so these mutations are going to be happening, and they're just going to be like, look, it's not even our fault. Yeah. And it's like we can't even blame them. And not only are they going to say that, they're going to be like, oh, if the news comes out that vaccine doesn't protect against Omicron, like demonstrably, they're going to be like, oh, see, vaccines don't work. Yeah. Like that's that's all that's what's going to happen. That's all it's going to be. <laughs> this is what capitalism does. And then there's going to be more <laughs> reluctance to get yeah. the next round, the reformulated round. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. It's just it's literally just capitalism doing its thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and apparently I'd heard news that there's going to be an antiviral covid pill coming soon. 
That's yeah, I've been I've been following that like loosely a little bit. So that'll be interesting. Um, and also booster shots are coming soon. I think they were just approved actually, and I think they're like going to be made widely available yeah, in the US. They were US approved soon. either last week or well, like this past week or the week before, I think. Yeah, something like that. Uh, not quick enough for the holidays though. No, 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 no. Guarantee people will not be able to get them in mass before like the Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year season is over. Facts. And maybe I honestly, with Omicron coming out, I don't think that that's a bad thing. Because yeah. if it turns out they do need to reformulate vaccines, they need to reformulate boosters, then people will be more protected. Yeah. And also people are going to be more confused and frustrated. One thousand percent. Gotta oh love capitalism, God. baby. Yeah. Literally causing all of our problems. Gotta love I love scientific it. illiteracy. Yeah. Yeah. I think that sums it up on the new variant news. Um, more is going to progress throughout the week, probably. Hopefully yep. we find more out. And hopefully this isn't like a, a super powerful version of previous variants because I'm so tired. No, my God. I'm sick of it. I am extremely tired I'm tired please no. please i'm sleep deprived all right so last episode we <laughs> we did a lot of hate we we projected a lot of hate towards conservatives most of the episode was centered around your conservative family members your conservative yeah. aunt maybe if yeah. you will yeah about about an hour of the episode or so which is more than half. an hour and 20 minutes of the episode <laughs> about an hour of 20 minutes almost 100 percent of the episode was dedicated to hating on conservatives we shot on the libs a little yeah. bit towards the end so i wanted to I wanted to flip the script almost and give some hate towards liberals. We're bipartisan around exactly. here. I wanted to uh, reenact what was it, that one law that used to be a thing in like the, I want to say the 60s, like the Fair News Act or something. Yeah, you had to give equal coverage. Yes. <laughs> that, we're proponents of that here. Yeah, we're supporters of that. I wrote the bill. Yeah, exactly. And I wrote so the damn bill. This episode is really dedicated to shitting on your shit lib family members. Yeah, yeah. You know? We got two pretty big articles right here. <laughs> Specifically. Um, the first one I wanted to talk about is um, some some of the Democratic strategists in the party mm -hmm. are doing some imagining of what 2024 and 2028 should look like yeah. in terms of the presidential election. And guess who are the top two contenders for the uh, presidential nomination? Please guess. It's Wait, not Biden. Guess. I'm sure you could guess at least one of them. It's not Biden. But the other one. <laughs> oh, I, I hear you saying it. Kamala Harris, vice president. Yeah, that's one see, of them. That is one but of them. But she's not even the first choice. <laughs> Pete Buttigieg, everybody. Pete, Mayor Pete. Mayor Pete is the top oh contender, transportation God. secretary, top contender for president right now. So a political article just dropped last week detailing how Pete Buttigieg could be Biden's successor in, 20, uh, successor in 2028 or, or even 2024, as soon as the next presidential election, if Biden chooses not to run. Uh, I have a quote here. It says, while Buttigieg says he's not uh, contemplating the race to be Biden's successor inside the West Wing, others are imagining it for him. His name is sometimes discussed by aides as a natural Democratic presidential nominee in 2028 or 2024 if the president opts not to run. There is nothing natural about him becoming the candidate in 24 no. or 28. He's a lifeless creature. He fucking sucks. He's so bad. I don't think I've heard anything cool come out of his mouth before. Bro got murdered in the primary. Oh my God. I he know. did okay in the Iowa caucus. Actually, I <laughs> think. Uh, he claimed to have come in first in the Iowa caucus, but it was it was slim between him and Bernie. Mm -hmm. But you got to remember, I was like 94% white, <laughs> not reflective of the country Factual. whatsoever. And also, there was a lot of problems with how the Iowa caucus was run. If you guys remember, like the, the mishaps with the app and how the Democratic Party was tracking delegates and stuff like and that. And how the Democratic Party literally just cheated Bernie out of wins. Yeah. Not to say that like the Iowa caucus was a sham or anything, but it was definitely a big ass mess yeah. in 2020. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> that's really all he did, though. <laughs> because then Biden, or, uh, Bernie cleaned up in New Hampshire, Biden cleaned up in South Carolina, and then- we'll Didn't the he one? drop Nevada. out like quick? Yeah, he dropped out quick and immediately endorsed Biden. Love that. So it's just, it's Democratic strategists trying to reward Pete for his hard work 
which is uh, upholding the existing Democratic establishment. Which is literally doing nothing. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me be clear. It's doing nothing. Bro is just kind of there all the time. Yeah. yeah. And that's it. That's like how you sum him up. He's just there. Yeah. And you may be saying, you may be saying right now, but what about Kamala Harris? Why are they just glossing over her? And to that, I would say, nobody really likes her. <laughs> I have a quote here. It says, the chatter has frustrated. Yeah, the chatter has frustrated some staffers of color who see it as disrespectful to Kamala Harris, the first black woman vice president, and think senior officials should tamp it down. Some of Buttigieg's former campaign staffers also question whether challenge whether challenging Harris is feasible, given how critical the black voters to the in the Democratic Party and how Buttigieg struggled to attract those voters last time around. Dog, if you got murked by Tulsi Gabbard oh my god in the debates yeah. please just do not try Tulsi Gabbard the person who abstained from the impeachment vote on Donald Trump yeah. by the way like she got fucking cumpstered and dumpstered on Tulsi Gabbard was in like what three debates total should we insert the clip yeah we could definitely insert, <laughs> we the, clip definitely of, yeah. insert the clip right here now, Senator Harris says she's proud of her record as a prosecutor and that she'll be a prosecutor president but I'm deeply concerned about this record there are too many examples to cite, but she put over 1,500 people in jail for marijuana violations and then laughed about it when she was asked if she ever smoked marijuana. She blocked evidence. She blocked evidence that would have freed an innocent man from death row until the courts forced her to do so. She kept people in prison beyond their sentences to use them as cheap labor for the state of California. And she fought to keep cash you, bail system in place that impacts poor people in the worst kind of way. So, so now that you've seen that, <laughs> I'm sure you see where we're coming from. Yeah. Imagine what's going to happen if she was the actual like candidate, yeah. the main stage candidate, yeah. subject to all the attack ads, mm -hmm. especially after all the fumblings going on right now, how the border crisis has been pushed onto her. And if you're a support of the and you if you're in support of the vice president, you may say, "Well, she did really well in the one vice presidential debate." She was debating Mike, Mike Pence. <laughs> <laughs> she was debating Emperor Palpatine. Like, and it's like, it's like she didn't even do that well. You know she what did I mean? Fine. She, exactly. It was just kind of mid. It was a very mid performance. I think like the one standout part was when she he she hit the I'm speaking. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. That was like the only standout part from her. And it was, I mean, it was good, but like I could defeat Mike Pence in a debate. Facts. There were no <laughs> like, like there, there was no like heartfelt policy that she no. was out there like well, saying. See, Democrats don't care about heartfelt policy. <laughs> and to be clear, neither do Republicans. Oh, yeah. But they just care about whatever the opposite of heartfelt is. Yes, but Heart-destroying policy. Republicans pretend to care. Yeah. Um, also, the, the quote does make a good point, how the black vote is critical to the Democratic primary. And that's actually in conflict of what the next author of the next article says. Oh, my God. Just dude. a little preview. He really yeah. cares about the white vote. <laughs> he really cares specifically about the white swing vote. Yeah. Whatever the fuck that means. But we'll get to that. Okay. Uh, but to be clear... The black vote was instrumental in 2020. Biden oh, yeah. would have lost without it, mm -hmm. especially in places like Detroit, Milwaukee, Philadelphia. Those states would have gone away had black voters and not he turned out. Almost lost because of the Latino vote. Yes, because they flipped. Yeah, like they were the swing voters. Um, and and we'll get to talking about the dynamics of that in a bit. But I want to remind you that they are correct when they say black voters don't like people to judge. Maybe we'll insert another clip. But the, I remember okay, there was okay. a one part of the debates. Um, where I can't remember which one it was, but Pete Buttigieg was basically asked, why don't black people like you? <laughs> Mayor Buttigieg, you say you've had trouble earning the support of black voters because you're unknown, but you've been campaigning for a year now and polling shows you with next to no black support, support that you'll need in order to beat Donald Trump. 
Is it possible that black voters have gotten to know you and have simply decided to choose another candidate? And he, like, how do you respond to that? Like, dude just sucks. He but just she's right. sucks. Black voters didn't turn out for him. They didn't like him. No. And like, fair, fair enough, bro. Yeah, exactly. Sucks. What has he done? Uh, he fumbled the response to a black man being killed by the police in South Bend. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. No, I do remember that. Yeah. What a great mark on your legislative record. Really good. You know what I mean? Like this dude has been, he was, I think, like the treasurer of Indiana. Where the fuck was he mayor? He No, he was mayor of South Bend and treasurer in Indiana. Yeah. Yeah. He was treasurer of Indiana, mayor of South Bend. Mm-hmm. And then he did something else before his appointment now. Oh, yeah. and then presidential like n- candidate. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah was a candidate, presidential yeah. candidate in 2020. And now he's the transportation secretary. Yeah. What has he done in either of those like things that has, has made him stand out so much? He has sold his soul to the Democratic establishment. That's it. Yeah. That is literally it. He has been just a like safe candidate from a super like Ivy League educated mm-hmm. white capital owner point of view. Yeah. And like I you may be saying like he's a rising star, you know, he's ascended quickly. He's a young guy. I think he's like 39 or 40 yeah. or something that has gone to the top of the Democratic Party. He works for the White House now. In order to rise in the Democratic Party, especially today, yeah. you have to sell your soul. Oh yeah. Like people like Bernie He's hated by the Democratic uh-huh. Party. Democratic Party's never supported him. DNC despises this dude. Yeah, that's like, why DNC they. The that's why they literally made it so he lost two elections <laughs> when he could have won pretty yeah. easily. Oh yeah, dude. It's like I just I just don't understand. Like he's done nothing. Yes. Absolutely nothing. I didn't even know who this dude was. I never heard his name until after he dropped out of the race. I I can't name anything he's done. Except for fumble the killing yeah. of a black man in South Bend. And like, look, it's very important not to like do any identity politics here, but it's very important that like LGBTQ members are represented in the oh, government. Yeah, like super important. But this guy hasn't done anything for them. Don't get us wrong. I don't give a shit that he's like gay. You know what I mean? Like I yeah. care to the extent that Oh, it's good that we see that representation. Right. That's like neo. I mean, it's a it's a branch. It's an appendage of neoliberal politics. Yeah, but is in- that people people of different backgrounds of different identities can rise to power, but them rising to power does not mean any substantive change for the people that are like them. It's it's almost like how in the same way that Candace Owens is a pawn for the Republicans, mm-hmm. being the token black Republican female. Yeah. Liberals do it to a lesser extent. Yeah. Case in point, Pete Buttigieg. Yeah. Yeah. It's not great, guys. Not at all. It's not great. Um. Yeah. So, I mean, he would, <laughs> he's hated by black voters and they make a good point when they say that. But like Kamala Harris also isn't loved by black voters. And mm-hmm. I will also note that her, Joe Biden and Pete Buttigieg literally represent systemic racism. Oh, yeah. I had that point later on. Like they are the embodiment and individually have perpetuated these systems. <laughs> In their positions of power, Joe by the Biden way. has legislated them into existence. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. these are the three stars of the party right now. Yeah. I'm so Get sad. The fuck out of here. I'm so sad. Make me a star. <laughs> Make me a rising star in the party. Um, also, I don't know if you all heard this news, but she was president. Kamala Harris was president for 90 minutes. We did the other it, day. Joe. She was pre- yeah, That's right. because um, Joe Biden went to get his uh, booty hole checked. He got a, he got a camera up his butt. <laughs> he got a colonoscopy. No OnlyFans. So he went under for like 85 minutes or something. Yeah. And Kamala Harris was president, and Fox News lost their mind. Did it they was really? So funny. I like, didn't see that. I did see the liberals losing their mind. Liberals in the, too. In the other way. Yeah, yeah in yeah. the other direction. I mean, it was lo- everyone was losing their mind all over the place. Like, holy shit! That's so. I was literally I was in my physics help room, like yeah. trying to get help on my physics homework, and I hear this one girl at my table go talk to her friend. She's like, "Did you hear that Kamala's president now?" And I was like, "What the fuck? What are you talking <laughs> did Biden about? Did Biden die? Yeah. What? <laughs> no. Yeah. He just had to get his booty checked. That's all it was. That's all. Just booty hole looked at. Yeah. Yeah, but she was president, and people lost their minds. Um, so I'm not confident that she'd be very popular. She in an wouldn't election. survive an attack. Ad. Also, I don't even need to like 
speculate because she wasn't popular in elections. <laughs> like, so we got don't, dogged in the primaries. We don't need to speculate. And that's not a function of Biden being more popular. Mm-hmm. It's just because they were bad. Correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't she support Medicare for all until she didn't? Yes. She Love supported that. Medicare for all in like, the first two debates. Yep. She was actually pretty popular in the first two debates because she was, she was taking shots at Biden. Yeah. She was um, advocating for like eliminating systemic racism, Medicare for all, a bunch of popular policies. <laughs> she was advocating for walking back all the and things then she did. Somebody must have talked to her or she like changed direction or something because then she started just bending to the Democratic Party because because people couldn't out left Bernie. Oh, no, so they God, had no. to either pick the middle or the far left, and they couldn't do the far left because Bernie was just dogging him in all mm-hmm. the far. Like that's why Case Warren, point, Elizabeth Warren, yeah, yeah, Warren was struggling, and we'll talk about that later as well. But yeah, not great. Um, but you, we we asked about things that Pete has done. Okay, right okay. now he's on the road, talking to people. I fucking explaining the effects of the infrastructure deal that was recently passed. Who, who? explaining to who? His uh, eight supporters. No, literally his eight. As the article says, diehard fans with Pete shirts. His eight supporters that live in South Bend, Indiana. That's it. Out of the whole eight country, by the way, that voted for him. Yeah. that were the majority and got him elected. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I got a quote here. It says, at the same time, Buttigieg finds himself at the heart of the Biden administration's top priorities and main liabilities which will likely have a significant effects on his political future. He oversees part of the supply chain that has been snarled by the COVID-19 pandemic, contributing to inflation and threatening many sectors of the economy. I love how Biden just like throws people in front of his problems so he doesn't I, get hurt. His shit is so funny. Like he put he put Harris directly in front of immigration so he doesn't have yeah. to take the hit. He puts Pete in front of the supply chain exactly. issue so he doesn't have to take the hit. That's so and funny. And even with all that they're still being like poised as the top two candidates I know. in 24 and 28. That's so crazy. It, you can't tell me that the Democratic Party isn't out of touch. Mm-hmm. Like, dog, dog. It's like they're just ga- they're gassing him up for his like handling of this, too. Uh-huh. What handling? What he handling? didn't pass the law. He did not pass the infrastructure bill. He's just going to like explain it yeah. to a couple people. Yeah. And not only that, but the public thinks that he is absolutely fumbling the bag with the maternity leave paternity leave yeah the paternity leave stuff yeah and to be fair all of that criticism is stupid yeah i'm fine with him being on paternity leave you know why because as transportation secretary you're not really doing much anyway yeah but like like you're a parent you absolutely deserve to have time off like we've advocated for more than 12 give him a year go spend time with your fucking kid absolutely they just they just adopted a kid i think or i think it was twins actually yeah they adopted twins he deserves to go have time and spend with his kids yeah. and to be fair i feel like a lot of the attacks are probably based in like homophobia because oh, they're, they're like gay man going to spend time with his kid with his gay husband how dare he that's the other thing that lauren bobart said that got her in trouble oh, this last week no. on it's, top of calling uh the yeah, squad like jihadists they, or something they called Ihan. he said they said she said something like Ihan omar and the jihad squad <laughs> and then <laughs> Yeah, yeah. There was an instance That's where so like, racist. a Capitol Police officer was running towards the elevator and where she was with one of her staffers. And she looked at her staffer and said, oh, good thing um, Ihan Omar's right there. So I know it wasn't her. Oh, my God. Yeah, dude, just vehemently racist. Violently Actually racist. Actually horrible. Comically but racist. Back on topic with Mayor Pete, she also said that he was trying to chest feed. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, that she's so she's so evil. She's putrid. She's fucking vile. She's so, I love how in like a moment of a conflict, a moment of stress, where you see like police officers running around, in a moment of crisis, yeah, you're still racist. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Like she's so terrible. I hate her so much. God. But yeah, a lot of the attacks on Pete Buttigieg with him taking leave for his family is just 
I mean, it's just blatantly homophobic. Yeah. But also, they would make these same arguments against like a woman. Oh yeah, they um, do the same thing. But it wouldn't obviously wouldn't be based in homophobia; it'd be based in misogyny. But yeah, that's what and they it do. Wouldn't be to this extent. Yeah. Like, exactly. It's kind of yeah. fucking ridiculous. But still, like the public has that perception now. It's the party of uh, family values, though. By uh-huh. the way. <laughs> Democrats pretend that they care so much about electability. They do care strictly only about electability. Yeah. Yet they just actually ignore what the public thinks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Idiots. Um, but anyway, uh, the Democratic Party is going to absolutely implode if it's Peter Kamala on the top of the ballot. They are so just peak lame. Yeah. They no, it's not good. Literally peak lame. They lost to Joe. 42% approval rating Biden <laughs> yeah. in the primaries. Yeah, bro is struggling right now, and they think the solution is Kamala Harris or Pete Buttigieg. And right now, Pete Buttigieg is beating out Kamala Harris? That's insane. That is insane. Like, with okay, who? Like, first with, of all- Who is he beating her out? What demographics are they polling? Yeah, we, exactly. <laughs> what, let me see their internal polling. Put me on the team, coach. Are they going to like Harvard poli-sci classes and doing this? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> it's the white suburban voters exactly. they love so much. But, it, I mean, it's just insane even to put Kamala Harris below Pete. Because, like, think of the optics. Oh, my Your God. Your vice president isn't the top pick if Biden steps down for 2024. <laughs> it's some, like, white dude that works for – that is the transportation secretary. That's your top pick. Some dude that has done nothing. At the very least, Kamala Harris is, like, uh, somebody that, like, everybody knows mm-hmm. and has made – or at least by nature of being who she is, is like a historical vice president. I'm sorry, but Pete Buttigieg... At the very least. Pete Buttigieg is not a household name. No. Kamala is, maybe not in a good way, but she still is a household name. Yeah, she's a household name that... I mean, to be fair, a lot of the criticisms on the right are just like, ah, scary black woman. woman. Yeah. Oh, God, what was the fucking senator that lost in Georgia? Runoff to Ossoff? Uh, Purdue, David Purdue. Yes, David Purdue, and he was campaigning. He goes Kamala, Mala, Mala, Mala. Oh yeah, racist. That? Literally just racist. Just, just straight up racist. Intentionally pronouncing her name wrong. Yeah, and <laughs> and that's not a reason to not run a black woman for office because oh, no, like they're gonna be racist, yeah. no matter what. But it is like Kamala Harris's track record, not good on like any issue. Oh yeah, her legislative track record is horrible. And if they care so much about electability. Why would they choose Peter? Her Her prosecutorial track record is also horrible. Yeah. In a time now where people are mad at prosecutors. Yeah. Not great. Not great. If they pick either of them, it's going to be bad. Like Pete's not going to excite anybody. Mm -mm. Uh, Kamala Harris, I don't think will really excite anybody either. It's not great. Um, And you may ask. You may ask. Like if it's inevitable that we get Pete Buttigieg or we get Kamala Harris as a candidate, what are we going to do? Like as leftists, people that are obviously very critical of the Democratic establishment. Yeah. What are we supposed to do with that? I don't fucking know, dude. Yeah. I literally <laughs> don't neither. fucking know. And it's like the other thing about those two, like being the top nominees. One, I would personally rather have Kamala than Pete. Not even for legislative Me reasons. Me too. Because Me I, too. The, presidential, the president like in this country is literally just a fucking figurehead. They have a legislative agenda that they try to push through that they never get to really push through. It's honestly the Senate just does their own thing. Joe Manchin. Joe Manchin, president of the United States. The Senate kind of does their own thing. The president has to be a good whip, and they haven't been a good whip in a long time. So I would much rather someone who can go out there and orate and say some good things, like give a little bit of lip, than Pete. I mean, Pete's a good order, but again, like, what is what what does he have to talk about? You know, (laughs) because like he would he would speak pretty fluently during the debates, but the problem was like a lot of people were like, "What the fuck are you talking about? Like, you don't care about any of this." Yeah, and it's not exciting. It's not genuine. There's no horror. Exactly. (laughs) At least Kamala can like fake that. Yeah, and that's the problem I think with the Democratic Party writ large is that it's all disingenuine because they talk so much about like racial justice, environmental justice, fixing poverty, all this kind of stuff, 
and then none of their policies actually pursue that goal. Mm-hmm. It's all things like a like a discounted tax profile savings account. <laughs> like none of that matters. Yeah, it makes me want to throw up. Steeped <laughs> in red tape. Exactly. Um, but like, if it comes out to being like Buttigieg against Trump in 2024, or like, oh, Trump takes it. Harris against, well, yeah, Trump's probably gonna win. <laughs> but like, I'm I'm always gonna try to vote for damage control. Oh, Oh, one thousand percent. Me too. Like, I'm I'm always gonna try to like limit pain as much as possible because another Trump presidency is yeah. gonna be bad for like all kinds of groups, if including I had to, just regular if people. If I had to, I would vote for Pete. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I won't be happy about. But the, it, that's the thing. The Democratic Party knows that. I'll be stomping my feet through the ballots. The the Democrats they know that a lot of voters see the GOP as repulsive. Mm-hmm. And if Trump goes back up, they're going to see him as repulsive. So they can put any candidate up <laughs> that will support the party because they know we have no choice. God, and then they can go and just jerk themselves off in the yeah. back room like we really did something today. Like they can be like, you can hear, you can eat the GOP's literal shit mm-hmm. on a plate or you can drink my pee. <laughs> Which one are you going to do? <laughs> like that's the choice. <laughs> like that's all it is. Of course, I'm going to vote for damage control. But like the only real way to to make a difference in the candidates we're getting is to convince more people to vote for progressives up and down the I ballot. Mean, but also like in a state like Michigan where we live, no shot. Trump doesn't win against Pete or Kamala. One thousand percent. One thousand percent. I mean, Biden did all right. Biden got like a hundred thousand more votes than Trump. I mean, yeah, kind of. But also, voter turnout was historic. Literally, I talk about that later on. Yeah, sixty-seven percent voter turnout. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah, actually wild. And in Michigan, that was crazy. And we probably won't have balanced ballots in 24 and 28. Yeah. But in places like Wisconsin, Philadelphia or Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, like tiny margins and with Biden, it out with Biden's horrible approval rating right now. <laughs> like I can definitely see Trump taking it. The only thing that Democrats can point to right now that they've done is the infrastructure package. And not even the social like the social infrastructure. Yeah, the big not one. even the good one. Not even the big one. Not even the really good one. Yeah. Just the $625 billion of new spending. Yeah. All they can say is over 10 years, mind you. Yeah. <laughs> over 10 years. But we can we can pour billions into the military. Uh, and what is it? Like $800 billion, $900 billion <laughs> that's spent over like a couple years. Yeah. But spending $625 billion of new spending over 10 years is too much almost. Way too much. And like that's, that's the thing is like they're going to talk about, oh, yeah, roads, bridges, and rails, which we absolutely need. Our infrastructure here is crumbling. Yeah, Gage's Road sucks. Gage's my road fucking sucks. There are like thirty potholes on my one street alone, and it's a small street. Snowed yesterday. It's just a lake out there. It's a <laughs> literally. It's a lake. It's abysmal. It's abysmal. I gotta retire my white shoes now. I had to get in my boat just to get here. Facts. No, but it's like that's what people like here are gonna see. Yeah, they're gonna see them talking about oh roads, bridges, and rails, but not your road. Yeah. Not your road. But not roads in the in black communities. Yeah, not roads in poor communities or like maybe communities that are outside the outskirts of a city. Yeah, you'll get like a section of a road maybe. You'll get a couple potholes filled, but not all of them. You'll get a section of a road and then a highway built directly over your house. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And then no one's coming to fix the power lines that inevitably fall Which down. the government can literally do. Yeah. They can literally just kick you out of your house. All they have to do is just give you the value of the house at the time mm-hmm. and say, all right, you're gone. And they'll be like, sorry, here's $1,000. Here's putting, a stimmy. Yeah, we're putting a new I-23 exit here. Yeah. yeah. Now, if you thought that was painfully liberal, ooh, if you thought that article was putrid, if you thought, you know, Pete for president, Kamala Harris for president, sounds can't like accept a, either. Sounds like a bleak future. You're about to get, you're in for a treat. I might say. Oh, yeah. A tasty dinner, if I will. (laughs) So here's an article that I found. It says, the title actually, let me just give you the title and that'll give you a good idea of what we're about to talk about. Title is, Joe Biden's Big Squeeze, Progressive Donors to the Left of Him, Cynical Centrists to the Right, A Theory of Why His Popular Agenda is So Unpopular. 
You know you're in for trouble, baby. You literally know you're in for trouble. It's crazy how his popular agenda were the leftist parts of his agenda. Yep. Literally, it was the wiping student debt, which hasn't been done. It was the $15 minimum wage, which has not been done. Climate change provisions. Which have not universal been done. Universal pre-K. Hasn't been done. <laughs> Maternity Actually, leave. Actually, universal pre-K maybe might get done. Probably not, though. Maternity leave? Nah. Yeah. Well, Axed. four weeks is back in. The House it's passed the four in. weeks version, but it's probably going to get gutted again. Yeah, the House passed it. Yeah. So Literally means nothing, by the way. <laughs> House representatives may not even be there. It doesn't matter. They really? may as well not be there. Yeah, no fact. I'm sure. I think a couple didn't show up to the vote. Not surprising, because yeah. it doesn't matter. You Shit, know how it doesn't be. matter. You know how it be. Um, so this article, it's, it's basically all about how Biden is the best president of all time. Mm-hmm. And I'm exaggerating. He doesn't say okay. this, but okay. Biden's like the best president. His, his agenda is the perfect one. Centrists are like, eh, they kind of suck. And progressive, dem- or yeah, the progressives, the radicals, the left wing are destroying America, basically. Oh, yeah. No, literally, I'm pretty sure that's what he said. Yeah. He said so many times in the beginning that it is the the progressive wing of the party that's like, yeah. destroying it. And they are too far left. It's those progressive think tanks. Yeah. And <laughs> dude mentioned Twitter multiple times. And that's what has me convinced that, like, I swear, the people who write these articles read one Twitter thread by a prepubescent Maoist yeah, in me. their uber black on the way to their NYC rooftop brunch and they're like can you believe this kid said that that must be the uh yeah. the philo- the philosophy of all radical leftists oh my god can you believe this kid wants worker co-ops ridiculous ridiculous the democratic oh party. my god wild wild this 12 year old's destroying the democratic party like they they look at it like literally 15 year olds woke scolding other people online and yeah. think oh my god this is where the country's yeah. going so the article starts off with talking about how excited everybody was for biden to be a practical fdr like president and that he doesn't, you know, he doesn't give in to media narratives. His his agenda is just straightforward. It's practical and it's going to get done. Yeah. And then he said, radical demands have seized the party's base. <laughs> and sorry, he gets dog. into this a lot more. But like, you know, you're in for a doozy. Radical demands. Yeah. The entire article is basically just trying to figure out why Biden is struggling to get anything done and why his approval rating is tanked. It's literally not that hard. No, it's we, not at We've all. dedicated over half of the pod to talking about it. Yeah. Somehow we've stretched out the content. Literally yeah. stretched it to atoms. We've talked about it so many times. I know. It's Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema. Yeah. It's the Democrats. It's the corporate Democrats in the party that are yeah. stopping everything, which Joe Biden is one, yeah. to be fair. But, like, they're the ones getting the blame. Mm-hmm. So then the author, he goes into um, – a little bit of a talk about how Joe Biden's presidency is on the brink of failure. And he's struggling to understand why. And a lot of people are struggling to understand why. He says, Biden is like a patient wasting away from some undiagnosable disease. <laughs> like, that's wow. laughable. Wow. How that literary is, of him. That is a laughable quote. He's wasting away. Maybe literally. <laughs> I mean, he literally is wasting away. Bro, I had to get his booty checked. <laughs> Literally wasting away. And this article acts like he wasn't vice president for the last or for like eight years or anything mm-hmm. like that. Like acts bro, like he wasn't a senator for like fifty years. Yeah, like like bro has had no opportunity to enact any agenda yeah. at all, ever. Yeah, like bro doesn't know how shit works. Like he's an innocent actor in all of this. <laughs> yeah, like no, he plays no role. He's just blissfully ignorant. Yeah, exactly. So the the end of the first section, which is kind of like talking about how he's an FDR like president, he's gonna save the world, all that kind of okay, stuff. Okay. It says I have a quote here. He says he found himself trapped, he being Biden. He found himself nice. trapped instead of uh, instead between a well-funded left wing that has poisoned the party's image with many of its former supporters and centrists unable to conceive of their job in any terms, save as the valets for the business elite. Biden's party has not veered too far left or too far right so much as it has simply come apart. Yes, because it's, it's the people 
trying to tell the general population that, hey, maybe you shouldn't work for starvation wages. Yeah. Maybe you shouldn't go into medical bankruptcy. Those are the ones making people fear that they're going to have to be valets yeah. for the rest of their life. Yeah. It's not the ones that flat out just ignore them. Mm-hmm. It's not the corporate Democrats, the mild Democrats that are the ones that are doing all that. This entire article acts like the left wing, like the radical leftists yeah. in this country, have institutional support. It acts like we have any power whatsoever. Exactly. <laughs> we got one senator. The system is set up to prevent us from ever having power. <laughs> they act like Bernie has like some massive corporations backing him. Yeah. You can't be a corporation and be leftist. No, that's that's the thing. They literally act like that when they talk about progressive think tanks later on. Yeah. What what progressive think tanks? Nobody gives a fuck about think tanks. No. I'm sorry. The only think tank that even I know, like off the top of my is the Heritage Foundation. Yeah. Because they're and responsible they're for all the right-wing narratives that go yeah. around. Like critical race theory, by the yeah. way. Yeah. Um, then he goes in and he starts talking about 2016. Okay. He says that uh, Bernie pulled the party and the electorate too far left. And that's why Clinton ended up underestimating Trump and losing the election. So the fault is because people, it's it's the party, it's the electorate. Yeah. They wanted better for themselves. Mm-hmm. And Clinton didn't deliver. Yeah, it's because Bernie convinced people that, you know, maybe you don't have to be a slave to your wages yeah. for the rest of your life. Maybe you do deserve health care. And because the Democrats couldn't lie to people anymore, yeah. that's why Hillary lost. <laughs> it's not that Hillary Clinton didn't um, just run a bad campaign. Yeah. It's not that she just was out of touch with the modern voter. It's not that she didn't straight up ignore certain states. She straight up yeah. did not visit certain Midwestern states. It's wrote because, them off. It's because people didn't want to be wage slaves anymore. That's what it is. That's all it is. Yeah, it's because Simple. it's because Bernie convinced people that maybe a better life is possible. And Democrats, yeah. after that, were no longer to just pull the hood over people's eyes. <laughs> Isn't it crazy how one dude, Bernie Sanders, comes in and changes the entire party yeah. with an election that he lost? Like, it takes one guy to come in and be like, you know, maybe the Democrats could do more. And And then every strategist, like this dude, like the author who wrote this article, loses their fucking mind. It's like, how do you say, how can you say that? How can you say that Bernie is the reason why she underestimated Trump when those are two separate races? Yeah. It's the primaries and the actual election. Well, Bernie pulled the electorate way too far left, so Hillary just couldn't compete. That's fuck her then. Oh my God, crazy how she didn't campaign on popular policy. Yeah. Wow. Wild. Who'd have thought? You think Bernie was going door to door and being like, don't go vote for Hillary? He literally said, do not write me in. Yeah. Vote for Hillary Clinton. Yeah. Like, come on. (laughs) So it's all that is, is it's a cop out for Hillary Clinton, who was a very unpopular, very moderate candidate. And was literally the embodiment of the liberal establishment that Donald Trump was claiming to campaign against. Yeah. Because he used, he used all this anti-elite, anti-establishment rhetoric. Of course, he was lying. Mm-hmm. But he was able to use that kind of populism to convince people that he was fighting against people like Hillary Clinton. Yeah. When he himself was a swamp monster. Love it. Like, he always talked about drain the swamp, drain the swamp. He was a swamp monster. Yeah. And so was Hillary Clinton. Oh, my God. But because Hillary works. Clinton was so weak. He was able to position himself as the truly populist candidate. Because she was so weak, and she, quite frankly, just assumed that she was going to win. She just assumed that she had it in the bag. Every Democratic strategist assumed. Pokemon, go to the polls. Yeah. That's not populism. That's not exciting. Whoever wrote that line needs to be jailed, by the way. (laughs) Put them in jail for that one. It's, It's ridiculous. He then goes on to say, he says that Democratic candidates, after 
uh, Bernie pulled the electorate too far left, of yeah. course. He said Democratic candidates kept racing one another to endorse ideas that polled catastrophically, like decriminalizing illegal border crossings, which he says has a 27% Nobody approval rating. was fucking talking about that. Nobody. I'm sorry, not a single person was campaigning on that. He says that has a 20% approval versus 66% disapproval rating yeah. in the polling. Then he says abolishing private health insurance, 37% versus 58% disapprove. And providing government health insurance for people who immigrated illegally, 38% to 59%. Which people also really don't talk about. No. You know? When has that ever been like a staple? Yeah. Like, come on. The only thing that people ever kind of really talk about is abolishing private health insurance. And they really don't. And like when you phrase it like that, of course people are going to be afraid. It has the word abolishing. Yeah. It's, but if you say provide government funded health care, yeah. people like it. Medicare for all is popular. Medicare is like a popular policy. It's one of the most popular. Yeah, it's, it's like crazy. Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid are the most popular policies in the United and States. Like, especially right now, the conversation isn't even around like going to a universal system. It's around like just letting Medicare negotiate with private companies. And he says later on in the article that negotiating drug prices is the most popular policy Democrats have proposed ever. That's crazy. I wonder who came up with it. I wonder if Bernie's been talking about that for like the, his entire life. I wonder who actively campaigns for these things who yeah. actively tries to get these things passed and, and i wonder who stands in the way and bro just fails to mention that the other like the entire all the plethora of other progressive policies poll extremely well mm -hmm. and have passed as ballot measures 15 dollars minimum wage in florida in satan's asshole that is florida uh, several states decriminalized all drugs oh oregon <laughs> yeah oregon, oregon uh, yeah Whatever the fuck you say. Whatever. Saying. We don't live there. <laughs> exactly. They're on the West Coast. They're Whatever, far away from yeah. us. What are they going to do? Invade? Uh, <laughs> but like it, states have passed very popular policies that just weren't attached to the Democratic Party. Yeah. The issue is not the popular policies. The issue is the Democratic yeah, Party. The issue is people like Pete who yeah. doesn't excite anybody. Exactly. Um, and then he goes on. Uh, oh, actually, he, he only really mentions three policies in that little blurb yeah that's it those are the only policies he mentions he doesn't he doesn't mention drug prices and, and he tries to ascribe like those ideas or he tries to say that those ideas are the reasons that democrats have been suffering mm -hmm. because they've been apparently to him they've been trying to chase down these ideas yeah. and like latch onto them but two of the three ideas he mentioned two of the three policies he mentioned have to do with immigration mm -hmm. a policy or a, a, an area of concern that democrats have been incredibly weak on incredibly conservative on yeah v literally conservative on title 42 baby mm -hmm. that's it yeah like he chooses two areas or uh, he chooses uh two uh, yeah two two policy areas that have to do with immigration a area that democrats have had no response for yeah and also an area that republicans have successfully demonized and used to galvanize mm -hmm. the base over and over Oh yeah. Like why would like of course people are going to like not have a favorable view of immigration when Democrats have not campaigned on it very well whatsoever ever. And also, the only people that like talk about those policies seriously in like a what we should pass in the government right now sense are kids on Twitter. Mhm. Mm That's it. Yeah. That is literally it. That's where he gets his polling data. <laughs> I'm convinced. Like, I'm seriously convinced that he just drops a Twitter poll on there. He yeah. finds, he finds, why hadn't the office's problematic a thread? 
and then drops a Twitter <laughs> poll. You know, I wish he would start hating on us. That'd be so <laughs> cool. I want beef with uh, this guy. Then he drops. He drops quite a banger of a quote right here. He says, okay. "During the 2020 primary campaign, progressive commentators were writing columns on a near daily basis." insisting that none of this could hurt the party. Swing voters barely existed. Left-wing policies were all popular. Mobilizing the base mattered far more than appealing to moderates. And electability was just an empty buzzword used by a failed establishment to fend off popular changes. I mean, like, but, like, yeah. Find me one moderate voter that's reading, like, New York Times columns like this. Or columns from the Daily Beast. Oh, Nobody. Tell me one person who is not fucking, like, entrenched in politics like us who is actually reading new york times opinion yeah. comms who is fucking seeking them out i was gonna say he, he places way too much emphasis on media narratives mm-hmm. when it's literally just whiny motherfuckers like us that pay attention to them literally like that's it that's it it's people who have fucking small time political podcasts <laughs> yeah. like regular voters do not care about the columns some like uh sock dem is writing in the new york times yeah. nobody cares and most of those columns are peak neoliberal anyway yeah most of those columns are like this most of those columns are like maybe college should be cheaper <laughs> like you're you're telling me that's a bad idea i don't think i've ever seen like anyone i know actually check out in new york times opinion column yeah or follow like a progressive blog yeah you know what i mean and then he says he says that thing about like electability is just an empty buzzword what do you know about electability dog oh my god dude! <laughs> like what do you like, know what do you know you a, yeah. a democratic elite what do you know do about you electability know? You fucking lost in 2016 that should have been a layup yeah that no, should that have been a layup was literally a layup like he, i bet he's, he's employing this word to say like electability or like bernie wouldn't have been electable mm-hmm. the, how do you measure electability if you win the election, That's it's crazy. something that is defined after the fact. Crazy how Hillary Clinton is not electable. Apparently. Is not electable now. Yeah. Wild. So can we point to that and be like, well, you didn't choose an electable candidate, so you must be dumb. Yeah. Can I point That's to stupid. Can I point to what's her name? Alyssa something, who was the, the socialism girl mm-hmm. that we talked about last week. Yeah. You know what her fucking last name is? No. Anyway, whatever. Is she just not electable? Yeah. So it's not. The so Donald Trump just wasn't electable in 2020? Yeah, wait a minute. <laughs> like, come on. Yeah, wait a minute. You're telling me he's not electable? And what does electability even mean? I don't know. In the broad sense of things. Yeah. Like, does it mean they're not popular? I'm sorry. Like, Donald Trump is popular. So like popular. Not. Incredibly popular. Millions of fucking people. Incredibly popular among his base. Like, he, like obviously hated like, by many, many, many people. Deity. But, like, yeah, he's treated as a god. Mm-hmm. And he won in 2016, so was he electable then, then not electable later on? Facts. Crazy how that works. Yeah. Like, like what what changes electability? It's such a vague term that literally doesn't matter. So when he says, like, yeah, it's an empty buzzword, it, yeah. It is. You're because right. electability can only be defined after somebody gets elected or doesn't. And it's like he says all this in a mocking way, which is really funny considering how many f- swing voters really do exist. Yeah. It's like three. <laughs> it's like eight, maybe. You know what I mean? Like, he says it in a mocking way, and then he says that we need to stop focusing on, like, galvanizing the base. Are you fucking kidding me? What are elections? <laughs> Literally. Like, are you really want to focus on the three people in the middle? The three people that truly, like, don't give a shit about politics and are like, mm, Trump, Biden, two sides of the same coin. Yeah. You're going to need to win me over with your policy. What are they doing for me? He wants us to appeal to the people that reposted Joe Rogan's political compass thing oh on my Instagram. Fucking God. The dude. thing that was like strong men create good times and good times create weak men. Just weak men create strong times. <laughs> overlaid or bad over times. the political compass. Yeah. Just completely ass. Apparently, right now we are living in anarcho cap or anarcho communism. Yeah. Borderline anti intellectual. <laughs> yeah. If I do say so myself. That was so funny, by the way. But I love like, that. Dude. 
he's placing so much emphasis on these swing voters. Yeah. It doesn't matter. 67% of the American electorate voted in 2020. Yeah. And that's a historic number. That's crazy. Two-thirds voter turnout. I think it's the highest voter turnout since, like, 1900, the election of 1900. I don't know. It's something I don't know, like that. But it's literally historic. Yeah. And they don't give a single fuck about the 33% of Americans that didn't vote. Mm-hmm. You don't want to galvanize them. Yeah, if you tapped in to the amount of voters that did not vote, you could win elections pretty easily. Oh my god! But to get to them to get them to vote, you have to excite them. Yeah, which the Democratic Party's really bad at doing. You have to come through with policy that yeah. people like, that people can like understand. It's digestible how it's going to help them, and you have to have candidates. Yeah, that inspire them. But the thing is that the Democratic Party can only win. When the GOP runs somebody that is so repulsive that people mm-hmm. are scared to not vote for the other person. Yeah. Because they the Democrats, they don't propose in their elections, they don't propose policies that are very popular, except in the case of Joe Biden, but they weren't even his. Mm-hmm. They don't propose popular policies because they rely on voters going to the polls because they're afraid of people like Donald Trump. Yeah, that's it. That's literally it. That's like twenty when conservatives say like, oh, 2020 wasn't about electing Joe Biden, it was about Donald Trump losing, they're right. Case in point, the Virginia gubernatorial race. People didn't like Joe Biden. Not at all. And they they recognize that voting for third party candidates is a waste of time. Yeah. So, like, come on. Except for, like, the 20,000 people that do vote Green Party every year. Yeah. Or vote natural law. They're working on it. (laughs) (laughs) They're trying. They're trying. Maybe we can destroy the two party duopoly at some point. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Eventually. It's like, dude, that 67% is a fucking fluke, considering that in general, it's like 60% of the population that turns mm-hmm. out and votes. So you're telling me that you don't give a shit about galvanizing 100 million people yeah. that just don't vote because they are so disillusioned with the current system mm-hmm. and they don't think you or a conservative are going to do anything for them? Yeah, that's that's another point I was going to make is you using buzzwords like electability does more to disillusion these people yeah. than us advocating for things like Medicare for all. You putting so much emphasis on the New York Times opinion column the 1619 project yeah is gonna do so much more to get people to think this is just a fucking joke yeah politics is just a clown show you're not doing anything to help me (laughs) and then they're not gonna vote for you exactly like that's the problem but no it's swing voters it's socialism it's because you didn't focus enough on turning the white suburban moms to your side yeah that's what it is yeah Um, and then he goes on he blames that uh the democrats losses in 2020 those happen because of left-wing ideas like socialism and defund the police. And he actually directly calls out like three specific progressive think tanks for saying things like <laughs> for saying things like Democrats need to stop focusing on marginalized communities. Oh my god. And focus on appeasing white voters. Literally, that's a quote, isn't it? Yeah. The, well, what I just said is a paraphrase, it's, but he yeah, did say I that do in remember the article. Reading that. Yeah, yeah, like the gist of it, dude. I just I don't understand. I like, don't understand. It's peak white. First of all, progressive think tanks have no power. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, they, maybe they do some ads during election time, mm-hmm. but they're not doing things like whispering in Joe Manchin's ear like ExxonMobil is. Like, it's not the think tanks that are even coming up with the slogans that he's no. coming at. It's on the boots on the ground activists mm-hmm. that are saying things like defund the police, my body, my choice. Yeah. It's them. Yeah. The but, think tanks have nothing to do with it. But apparently what activists are doing is bad for the Democratic Party, so they should stop. True. Apparently fighting for human rights is bad for the Democratic Party. He's just got such a weird fixation on the white voters. Bro's giving away the game. And like also historically, the Democrats have always focused on appeasing white voters. Yeah. 
Like, white supremacy is baked into our country. Democrats continue to focus on white voters. Yes. Case in point, the 2020 election, where they lost a sizable chunk of the Latino vote. Yeah. Because they just didn't campaign. Yeah. That's it. They didn't do anything right. and, to and, reach out to them. And they treat uh, marginalized communities like Latino voters, Asian American voters, black voters. We, The Democratic Party treat them like monoliths. Mm-hmm. Like, like one message will appeal to all of them. But we treat white communities, white voters, all different throughout oh, the country. Yeah. They're like, oh, well, white voters in Iowa think differently than white voters in California and Florida. Like, yes, because people think differently. Yes, because it's a big fucking country. But it's not about just white voters thinking differently and you need to be able to appease them all. It's that black voters in Florida also think different than black voters in California uh-huh. or in Texas or in Michigan. Like, you need to be able to appeal to Stop treating them like a monolith. They're not all the it's same like, people. You just need to enact policy that's going to help people. Yeah. That's it. That is borderline just what you and need to do. That is why your policies have to be focused on improving the material conditions that working class people are exposed to. Mm-hmm. Because most people in this country are working class people. Yes. And that also cuts across gender boundaries. That cuts across race boundaries. Like there are a lot of people that are a part of marginalized communities that are in the working class disproportionately, in fact. Yeah. So if you want to appeal to the majority of people, appeal to the working class crazy what a crazy fucking thought crazy concept isn't it wild how the third of the people that don't vote are these working class people Mm -hmm. that you just don't give a shit about like you said he literally said he doesn't give a shit about them and then then he goes on to be like well bernie wasn't popular with these voters it's like yeah you demonized him Exactly. like why do you think these these policies that poll really well were not popular when attached to a candidate it's because you focused on making them not popular and scaring people threw so much money at it i'm pretty sure like it's not specifically related related to bernie but there was like some drug provision that was a ballot measure in california a while ago Mm -hmm. and the pharmaceutical industry threw like a hundred million dollars yeah in ads against it mm-hmm. wild or, or like the ballot measure in minneapolis where it was going to establish a department of public safety to like mm-hmm. uh reform its police department yeah millions of dollars dedicated to making sure that didn't pass or the bill to make it so that i that i think the ballot measure again in california to make it so that i think uber drivers were no longer contractors like oh, they yeah. were employees millions so of dollars fucking money yeah hundreds of millions like tens of hundreds of millions went into that fucking yeah. thing just advertising it, just slamming a, the bill it's a self-fulfilling prophecy dude is saying that these popular policies that people like bernie advocate for scare people but that only happens because the democratic party makes it so it scares people mm-hmm. Like, your lobbying to make Bernie seem like he's a radical communist that's going to destroy the country is the reason that people think that way. Yeah. But if the Democratic Party coalesced behind these popular policies, people wouldn't be so afraid of it. It's like crazy how many people actually came out and were Bernie or Busters. Like, I don't agree with being a yeah. Bernie or Bust person. Like, I, again, vote for damage control. But crazy how many people were galvanized by this guy's ideas. Yeah. Crazy how many people came out because of this ideas. And again, just back to this dude's fetish with the white swing voter. I hate to inform you, but if you need to change your entire party's platform to be adjacent to the policy and rhetoric of the opposition's platform. Yeah. You didn't bring a swing voter to your side. You yourself just swang. You are the swing. That's it. And that's and that's why people that's at least I think one of the reasons people are so detached from politics, because they see politicians as these like 
creatures that will just change whenever the political winds shift. Yeah. And this guy is advocating for that. He gave away the game. He said, yeah, that's exactly what we do. This is why the Overton window has shifted so he's, far he's right. He's saying instead of advocating for policies as an entire party, instead of the entire Democratic Party advocating for policies that they know are moral, that will physically help people's material conditions, we need to advocate for what people think they want in the context of how the GOP is framing issues. Yes. That is so fucking stupid. Routinely adopting GOP framing. That is so unbelievably dumb. He is literally just the classic Washington, Mm -hmm. D.C., evil Democratic elite guy. They are allowing rhetorical drift to happen. Yeah. That's it. They, mm, You're the reason. Like, this dude is literally the reason that the GOP can actually win elections still. Yeah. It's because Democrats don't even try to contrast. They accept the framing, and then they further populize it by being so fucking dog shit. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry for getting mad, y'all. Yeah, you know. He goes on. He says, this is a quote. He says, the grim irony is that in attempting to court non-white voters, Democrats end up turning them off. It was not only that they got the data wrong, they were also courting these marginalized communities. He put that in quotes. They were also courting these marginalized communities in ways that didn't appeal to them. For the reality is that the Democratic Party's most moderate voters are disproportionately Latino and black. Shut the fuck up. Like, yeah, they probably identify as, like, moderate conservative voters. But when polled, they support things like raising the wage and providing Medicare for everybody. It's almost like there's a disconnect between, like, the words progressivism, socialism, and leftism and the actual policies Mm -hmm. within the mind of the American electorate. Yeah. I wonder how that happened. I wonder who's responsible for that. I would make the argument that most people in this country, most working class people, are... At least, at the very least, generous or or, uh, socialist ideas could appeal to them. Yeah. That they would identify themselves with socialist ideas if they were actually explained to them correctly. Mm Mm-hmm. But instead, they identify as moderates because that's what they think they are when really they would support socialist policies. Oh, my God. It's just, it's just people are afraid of the word socialist. And not only or not only because of the right wing party in this country, not only because of the Republicans, but because Democrats demonize those ideas, too. Yeah. Case in point, this fucking article. They're afraid of the word socialist, yet they love socialized policy. Yeah. Like welfare is a good thing. Food stamps are a good thing. Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah, objectively help people. Medicare, a good thing, a popular thing. That's yeah. a socialized program. Yeah. And he goes on. He talks about uh, how Democrats lost black, Latino, and Asian voters in 2020. Yeah. He says that uh, Biden did well with voters of color uh, as evidence, that he uses this as evidence to say that the far left ideas didn't appeal to these voters. D- oh my fucking God, dog. It's literally, it's li- he did not campaign in those areas. He did not campaign in Latino areas. He yeah. did not campaign in black communities other than like a, some lip service yeah. sometimes in some places. And I didn't hear a lick about anything Asian, Yeah. about any of the anti-Asian hate uh-huh. shit that was going on. I didn't hear anything about it. They specifically campaigned on the group that he said they need to focus on, the middle American, upper class, upper middle class white voter, mm-hmm. specifically the white suburban mom. That's all I heard election night was, okay, the white suburban moms in this area, this, that. That's it. That's yeah. all they focused on. Mm-hmm. Crazy how when you do that, you lose people elsewhere. And again, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. They use Biden's victory over Bernie in the primary as evidence that Bernie's ideas or far-left ideas aren't popular when they themselves force their own voters through advertising to vote for Biden after demonizing Bernie's campaign promises. Mm-hmm. Like, you are the one creating the problem that you claim is causing the Democratic Party to fall apart. Crazy how Biden was doing dog shit. Until Obama made a couple phone calls. Yeah. Yeah. Biden was literally getting washed and he somehow got revived in South Carolina. Somehow. Miraculously. What happened? I wonder. And again, it was like it was voters of color supporting him in South Carolina 
communities that this guy says do not need focus from the Democratic yep. Party. Yep. Like, are you – we would have – Democrats – oh, my God. Democrats literally would have lost had black voters not shown up. What about Wayne County here in Michigan? Mm-hmm. Wayne County literally carried the state. Yes. If it wasn't for black voters turning out in Wayne County, we would have lost Michigan. But we need to stop focusing on communities of color because that yeah, seems, makes the sure, Democrats sure. seem radical. And we don't want to be too centrist either. We just want to be libs. Yeah, like Michigan was quite literally instrumental in Biden's win yeah. because of the black vote in Wayne County in Detroit. Like it's it's like these people, they know that uh, their voters are going to vote for Democrats because they know the GOP is so repulsive. Mm-hmm. But they're just like telling them that the ideas that Bernie has are going to like destroy the country. So like their voters who don't pay attention to politics that much anyway are just forced to vote for somebody like Biden because everybody else dropped out. Mm -hmm. Like they spoil the ideas they claim to hate. I hate this guy. And it's like the underlying assumption with his argument is that campaigning on ideas that are going to help marginalized communities um, not undermines what's the word like dismisses the white vote. That yeah. you also need to get. I'm sorry, dog, but that's not a problem with the policies. That's a problem with the electorate. Yeah. And maybe we should do something to address that so that the general population of America isn't so racist, sexist, and homophobic. Yeah. No, this article is literally just like sell your soul and don't do anything that's actually good. Yeah. Just do what the electorate thinks they want. Exactly. But like how do you – like you can't decide public opinion. Oh yeah. my god, this guy's so dumb. And also I want to note that Biden lost voters of color proportionately – uh, compared to 2016, mm-hmm. like the percentages went up for Donald Trump. Donald <laughs> Trump, I think, is like got three more percent of the black vote and like eight more percent of the Latino vote. Yeah. So it's not as if like Biden was actually appealing to these voters in the same way that like Hillary Clinton was. And I know voter turnout was down, but the math is not on this dude's side. Not at all. Like, oh, this my goodness. sucks. And this article also pretends that the GOP haven't been labeling Democrats or liberal candidates as communists since 1950. Mm hmm. Like <laughs> he's acting like the Red Scare never happened. Like, like this, McCarthyism wasn't a thing. This isn't a new thing. Yeah. Like communists or like socialists in this country have never had a platform. Not at all. Like you, you're gonna say like the DSA's got institutional power? <laughs> you fucking idiot. Bro, people in the DSA don't even like the DSA. They'd be yeah. fighting with each other. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. He then goes on. He says, uh, asked when the Democratic Party should move more to the left and embrace more liberal policies, move to the center and embrace more moderate policies, or neither. of white Democrats, but only 23% of black ones preferred to move to the left. It's almost as if, it's almost as if voters of color know that they can't vote for the GOP because blatantly racist. Yeah. And the Democrats have successfully demonized the entire left wing of the party. So average voters feel like the only thing they can do is vote for these like moderate for C- candidates for people who are literally shills for the pharmaceutical industry yeah kirsten cinema for people who literally own their own fucking oil and natural gas companies uh-huh. joe manchin uh-huh. for all the other fucking shitters in congress chuck schumer everybody else nancy pelosi like, it, it, this, this whole article just acts like the democratic establishment isn't still controlled by the same liberals that it always has been mm-hmm. like it's the same old white dudes that want to just simp for corporations while pretending to be progressive and they're acting it's the same like, thing they're acting like both of the parties aren't controlled by the same money <laughs> they're acting like they didn't actively screw over bernie sanders in both elections Facts. like are you kidding me it's so it's so ridiculous and like i said entire article treats voters of color like they're just a monolith mm-hmm. which is the reason why democrats lose them or aren't able to get them to turn out because they're not a monolith not at all like the regular fucking people Again, be normal if, if you're gonna say that white people in this country are diverse oh my god the people of color are so much more yeah <laughs> 
coming from all kinds of different countries, coming from being exposed to a myriad of different conditions as they grew up. Like, and come on. still, like, assimilating into American culture. Yeah. Yeah, and I want to take a break. I want to take a break to remind okay. everybody uh, that this article entirely obfuscates the fact that people are disconnected, disillusioned with politics under capitalism by design. Yeah. It's built to make you feel like you have no power. Capitalism, it beats you down so hard and removes you from politics so far that you're susceptible to basically any narrative. And he said that doesn't matter. Yeah. He literally said that doesn't matter. He said, your your mom, your single mom, she's working two jobs to yeah. support you. Working like 60 hours a week, taking you to school, everything, getting it all done, doing the single mom things. Yeah. Doesn't have time to vote. Doesn't want to watch the news because the news is fucking depressing. Uh-huh. So she stays out of politics. He said that she does not matter. Mm-hmm. He said, you do not matter. This is why people fucking hate Democrats. Yeah. And he uses that as evidence to be like, look, far left policies don't really rile people up but because these because people are disconnected from politics. It's because of socialism. Yeah. That's what it is. It's yeah. because $15 minimum wage. Yeah. And his next section is entirely just hate on progressive think tanks. Uh, this dude, he, he really acts like liberal or like leftist organizations control the entire Democratic Party. Bro's got a hate boner for these think tanks. Even I didn't know enough about like this much about these things. Like these progressive think tanks most of the time are still very lib. Oh, yeah. Like they're not they're not socialist. They're fucking think tanks. They yes. rely on funding. They're, yeah, they're think tanks. <laughs> like, like they're not they're not more powerful than global capital. Yeah, they're at most a little progressive. Yeah. They say at most maybe gay, gay black people and women should have rights. Mm hmm. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> but we should campaign on that. Yeah. Uh, he says that lefty think tanks have created new terms like like the Green New Deal and defund the police that the right have used to scare people, which is true. Bro just has a problem with sloganeering. Yeah. But like, yeah, like, yeah progressive candidates have come up with new uh, nicknames for things like AOC's Green New yeah. Deal. Uh, defund the police is a relatively new thing. And the GOP has used this to scare people. But he places blame on the far left yeah, rather like, than the GOP. You shouldn't have made this up because the Republicans are going to use it to scare people. Yeah. It's okay that they do that because that's politics, baby. That's the game. Yeah. You shouldn't come up with good things because other people are going to misconstrue your words. You shouldn't market yourself. Yeah. No. Because no. people are going to take you wrong and <laughs> twist your ideas to make us all look bad. And it's not their fault for being bad faith actors. Maybe if you spent as much time supporting our ideas rather than playing defense for the other side, yeah. maybe we would get somewhere. Rather than be like, oh yeah, maybe these are like bad radical policies. Please shut the fuck up. Help me. Yeah. Because I'm literally trying to do stuff here. Oh my God. It's so dumb. And he goes on to talk about he goes on to talk about the progressive donor class. Fucking who? As if as if socialists have like billionaires that support them. Fucking or if like there's like socialist demo or like Hassan? socialist billionaires. Like Hassan. Bro's a millionaire, but like he's a worker yeah. at the same time. Like he's a part like Bro still labors like mm-hmm. for fucking Hassan just like donating. Is that what you mean by the yeah. progressive donor class? Yeah, because Hassan Abi, a Twitch streamer, outweighs global capital enterprise that supports people like Joe Manchin yeah. and Joe Biden for all I care about. Or, like, no, I, I'm I'm kind of convinced now that he's talking about Bloomberg, that he thinks like the places Bloomberg fund are leftist and progressive. <laughs> <laughs> like there, there is no such thing as a socialist billionaire. Dude probably thinks that Bloomberg like news is a socialist outlet. Yeah. <laughs> And they're just destroying the Democratic Party from within. Oh, yeah. Like, so, under socialism, billionaires would not exist. Like, if you want to talk about a real spoiler, 
in the primaries, it was Bloomberg. Like, yeah. That's all he was there to do. Bro came in, dropped, was it $500 million? On his own campaign. Just to lose. And then got just clapped. Just for nothing. Got clapped in the debates. <laughs> like, immediately walked in, just got destroyed. Uh, but, like, he just, he, he talks about this progressive donor class as if, like, the left wing of the party or Democrats have billionaires that are socialists supporting them. Mm-hmm. Is he talking about, like, George Soros? <laughs> like, that dude dodges his own taxes while saying that he wants to be taxed more. Love that. Explain that to me, big dog. Please. You can't. Please. You can't. Uh, and I have a kind of uh, unbelievable quote here. He says, progressive activist groups, once atomized into a gaggle of single-issue lobbies, have increasingly closed ranks, endorsed one each other's ideas as a single all-or-nothing program. The Green New Deal, for example, blossomed into a call for Medicare for all, for affordable housing, for student debt forgiveness, and economic security for all who are unable or unwilling to work. Dog, if you if you look at what happens like on the left, like the actual left, like in that sphere, and mm-hmm. you say that they re- they come together, how dare you? You come say together. you say that there is some sort of left unity. If you actually think that, get the fuck out of here, dude! I swear to God, motherfuckers are fighting all the time on who's more yeah, communist. And, and does he not like understand what intersectionality is? Yeah, he, <laughs> like yeah. how these how these issues compound on each other. How you living? In a in a neighborhood that has been destroyed by climate change, also impacts the healthcare that you have access to, uh-huh. or the jobs that you have access to, or how poverty can interact with your race in America. Like, does he not understand any of that? I'm pretty sure there was one point in the article where he talks about these like made up academic words, and he drops intersectionality as being one of them. Did he say that for real? I'm pretty sure. That is crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. He was literally talking about the academic language that these progressives use, and he dropped fucking intersectionality in there. For those that don't know, intersectionality is just a, a, it's a theoretical framework that seeks to understand how different forms of oppression interact with each other and compound on each other in society. Makes literal, just intuitive sense. It's one of the easiest concepts to wrap your head around. Like, it's, it's based on the idea of what kinds of oppression will you experience based on all different factors of your identity? Mm-hmm. Like, for example, a black man experiences uh, a black straight man who is able bodied experiences different forms of oppression from a a bi white woman who is in a wheelchair, for example. Yeah, like all kinds of different things will influence your lived experience mm-hmm. based on your identity. Um, and that's how society will treat you. And it's it's a it's a theoretical framework. Like how does class and, intersect with race? How does race exactly. intersect with sexuality? How does sexuality intersect with anything else? And I would go so far as to say that intersectionality is literally just truth. I I yes, that's <laughs> I would say it too. It's in so incredibly intuitive. Yeah. It's like it's it it's it's reality. And it's not hard to understand that different communities treat things in different ways and tackle issues in different ways. And that compounds later on in society writ large. Yeah. And it helps us understand why, like, a white person in poverty will be treated differently or will have different outcomes than a black person in poverty. Exactly. Because being in poverty compounds differently with your characteristics mm-hmm. if you are white versus when you are black. It's literally just r- lived reality. It's truth. It they is the truth. It. You can't say intersectionality isn't real unless you're just dumb. Like this guy. You can't say it's just academic language that these people use. Please shut the fuck up. Yeah. Like you're you're adopting Prager use framing and Ben Shapiro's framing when Ben Shapiro says that oh intersectionality is just the oppression Olympics. You've successfully adopted that and popularized yeah. that idea when you say dumb shit like this. And I love how he says things like the Green New Deal, Medicare for all, affordable housing, student debt forgiveness, as if they're bad things. Mm-hmm. He says mm-hmm. all of that as if, like, these policies are super unpopular and are really bad for the economy and will, like, hurt people. Like, dog, you're a demon. No, guys, you don't understand. If 
if taxes, if there was Medicare for all, if the government paid for your health care, then what about market equilibrium? Like, why does he think it's a bad thing that the Green New Deal plays into Medicare for all? Yeah. Like, what? do you not understand that environmental health also impacts health care? Can you not make that leap? Is that too big for your little pea brain, for your smooth little brain? <laughs> yeah. like, or like student debt forgiveness plays into your ability to find a well-paying job and afford, and by the way, afford housing. Yeah, bro's got one wrinkle. Like, come on. Yeah, bro has the smoothest <laughs> brain of all time. One fucking wrinkle. And his one wrinkle is dedicating to thinking that maybe centrist is, uh, centrism is kind of bad. His one wrinkle is the democratic strategy he comes up with because that shit's not working. Mm-mm, mm-mm. <laughs> and then he, he also criticizes uh, things like defunding the police, crimin- decriminalizing the border. Two ideas that, like, may be able to scare people after the GOP laces all of their lies all over it. But demonstrably humane and moral things. Mm -hmm. Like, decriminalizing illegal border crossings, very humane thing to do. Which is... Making it so the police is not a fucking military in the United States, very humane thing to do. Which is funny because... Illegal border crossings are already kind of decriminalized. Yeah. That was a Arizona versus United States. I know what you're talking was that about. The case? I, that might be it, but I know what you're talking about either way. Anyway, there's a Supreme Court case. Crossing the border illegally is a civil infraction akin to a parking ticket. Yeah. While it is illegal and it is criminal activity. Like, it's fucking stupid, dude. How are you gonna how are you gonna get mad? At people from like South America, Central America, trying to find a better life after we destabilize their country. Exactly. And then people will be like, well, if you think America is so bad, then why are people immigrating to it? It's demonstrably better than the countries that we have ravaged. Mm-hmm. Like, a, I will let perfect be the enemy of good in this situation. Yeah, like- exactly. Exactly. And then he goes on. He has this um, He has this strange bit about Elizabeth Warren. Okay. He goes on. He says, like, Elizabeth Warren wasn't as far left as Bernie. But she also had trouble combating attacks from the middle, and she like ultimately failed at balancing both, which mm-hmm. is like, I agree. Big facts. Warren wasn't as far left as Bernie was, so she had problem in that lane. And then also, being not as far left as Bernie was, she couldn't really defend moderate attacks. And, you know, also claiming she was Native American. That wasn't good either. <laughs> Maybe that could have done it. Uh, politically bad move. <laughs> Very Politically much so. bad move. Uh, but then he says that the left has built up, and I quote, a progressive foundation infrastructure. Shut Whatever that means. <laughs> and that he says that that infrastructure is designed to lift progressives and build a new Democratic Party. What, what is he talking, talking about? about? Like, <laughs> <laughs> What is he saying? What progressive infrastructure? I don't know. Is he talking about how... Ma- Dude, it's literally just progressive policies are becoming popular. Yeah. That's why we're seeing more of these candidates like win races. He's describing history. Yeah. Like progressive policies become popular over time. Like if this dude existed in the 1950, he'd be like, maybe the Democratic Party should not be passing civil rights laws. He said, whoa, 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 LGBA, LBJ, you're getting a little, uh, you're getting a little. Mm. Or if this dude was in 2004, he'd be like, it might be politically bad for us to, I don't know, support gay marriage. Like that might not be a good move. Literally. I don't, I don't know how I feel about this pending Supreme Court case. What what will it do to the swing voters? He's literally just running defense for the Republicans. Uh Like that's all Uh he's doing. And like. Like, he also acts as if Warren didn't lose and Bernie didn't lose. Like, what infrastructure do we have that supports progressive candidates? Like, Joe Biden isn't a progressive candidate. He just stole what was popular from Bernie. (laughs) And, like, that's fine. Without without having the baggage that comes from being Bernie Sanders. Like, candidates are going to take ideas from each other, especially after the field narrows. That's Mm -hmm. fine. But don't act as if Bernie wasn't talking about it first. Fucking stupid. So dumb. And he also acts... Like, super delegates don't exist and didn't screw Bernie Sanders over. Guaranteed they screwed oh, yeah. Bernie over in 2016. And you can maybe make the argument for 2020 as well. Mm-hmm. Like, the GOP doesn't even use super delegates anymore. They don't even. And you know what? If you, if you don't know what super delegates are, after the primary is over, uh, well, throughout the primary, 
you're earning votes, which gets you delegates to the yeah. Democratic convention because primaries aren't required. You don't mm -hmm. have to do them, but they do them for the president. So once you get delegates, you go to the Democratic convention and your delegates cast the vote for the candidate they were chosen to represent. Yeah. And there's a set number of those that is uh, defined based on like populations and stuff mm -hmm. each time there's a presidential election. And you may say, well, if that's it, then, you know, that's pretty Democratic, you know, delegates yeah, sure. choose, whatever. But also, every single time there's a Democratic convention for the president, there's also 700 superdelegates huh. that get to choose whatever candidate they want. They are not constricted by the the vote totals that uh, candidates got in the state that they live in. Yeah. And they are not constricted by, by anything. They can vote for whoever they want. Mm -hmm. So, in 2016... After the election, after the, the Democratic primary was over, neither candidate passed the threshold to be considered the uh, Democratic candidate for president. Yeah. Hillary and Bernie, neither of them were, reached the threshold. The superdelegates, it was like 705 of them. Out of all that, 702 voted for Hillary and like three voted for Bernie. Crazy, crazy. The um, Democratic establishment straight up stole the election. Like they decided it. Love it. There is no Absolutely infrastructure that it. supports progressive candidates. And this dude's lying. Like, <laughs> this whole article has just been a fucking lie. It's yeah. been a smooth brain take and a lie. And like I said, the GOP doesn't even do superdelegates anymore. They because it's undemocratic. <laughs> the GOP just lets the voters decide. And like, yes, of course, like the GOP inherently, what they support, they are not a democratic party at all. Small d democratic. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But at the very least, the party can't just like pull the rug out from somebody. Thanks. Because honestly, they probably would have done that to Trump because like Trump kind of scares them a little bit. Yeah. Well, not anymore. Not they anymore. They kind of had to adopt. In 2016, they didn't like him, but then yeah. they kind of just went along with it after. Yeah, everybody fucking hated him. that dude. Um, but then he kind of ends on a on a hilarious quote that okay. I wanted to say. He says, um, in the view of many elected Democrats, the official party now has to carry the burden of a privatized shadow party financed by naive donors and staffed by fervent foot soldiers carrying out a strategic or a strategy of anti-politics and he has the audacity to tell me that my terminology is is, is pushing voters away yeah no how fact, dare you say that to politics me? what the fuck does that mean how dare you say that to me what the, yeah you know what what i push is anti-politics anti-politics in the sense that it's actually what people give a shit about yeah Healthcare. yeah how's he how's he gonna use the word privatized when in my utopia there would be no privatization <laughs> like what, what what privatized shadow party is he talking about the three think tanks that he brought up is that what he's talking about or like the I naive donors know. or like the far left funders of the party that hold democrats back and are like tearing us apart i swear to god if he does mean george soros like one you are just you're just accepting anti-semitic framing from QAnon. oh my god like yeah. that's what that fucking is that's yeah. literally i can't think of who else he'd be talking about george soros or maybe bloomberg yeah. And both those things. Oh, my God, dude. There's also there's another quote. There's another banger of a quote that this dude dropped like somewhat near the end. Let me read it off. He said, as both the staff and the donors of the progressive nonprofit complex have moved left, it has grown increasingly difficult to ground their worldview in a political party in a political reality recognizable to most Americans. Oh, my God. He says that after he says he doesn't give a shit about what most American thinks. That's it's about I'm the saying. swing voters. It's about electability, baby. Yeah. Brutus wanted to write a long essay. Yeah, he just wanted to make me suffer. <laughs> At least he gave us content for the pod, though. He's got beef with us. He's like, like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make thinking. Work. Imagine thinking that progressive think tanks hold the same power over the Democratic agenda as fucking ExxonMobil. <laughs> like, you're so dumb. Like, Joe Manchin the other day was literally on a committee uh, dedicated to talking about like climate change yeah. in the Senate. 
And bro was arguing on behalf of coal. Bro literally said Companies that, that he himself benefits from. Companies that he profits from. He's literally said he's got his doors open. Yeah. Every week he's got yeah. his doors open. Like you really think that like like whatever the progressive equivalent is of the Heritage Foundation has the same power as ExxonMobil and like all of Big Pharma? Mm-hmm. You're dumb. Mm-hmm. You you don't have a brain. <laughs> like whatever's knocked around inside your head is just empty space. Um, and then he kind of he goes on to end on like uh, a section that's really about Biden's legislative agenda and a little bit of hate directed at centrists. But like he's still saying that like the reason centrists suck right now is because of leftists. Yeah. Uh, he says he goes on to, to praise Biden's legislative agenda. He says uh, Biden has tried to keep the political conversation framed as closely as possible around issues in which he and his party have an advantage handling the pandemic and rebuilding the economy. His economic program has been caref- has carefully avoided any controversial social debates and focused on highly popular combination of raising taxes on the ultra wealthy and redistributing the proceeds to the working and middle class through universal access to childcare, community college, and a child tax credit. Bro, literally just said redistributing wealth is popular. Yeah, and then says that leftist ideas are what's killing the country. Yeah, I swear to God. I bet this dude couldn't define socialism. I swear to God. His bro. his his definition for socialism is probably socialism bad. I take it back. This dude has zero wrinkles. This has got to be a psyop. Like this, <laughs> he's got to be like you know we always talk about all the time how uh certain um like Republican uh I don't know not even candidates but just like Republican commentators have people in their ranks that are actually running defense for us yeah like they're making them look oh, bad on purpose oh yeah like like Boo Boo Bennett yeah Boo like, Boo Bennett's editors like like Caitlin <laughs> Bennett how she's got editors that definitely just make her look bad intentionally they leave in takes where she's getting dogged on this dude's gotta be like gearing up to do something like Tim Pool did and be like I'm a disaffected liberal oh no no literally he's, he's running defense ready. for them he's getting ready he's like I oh, sorry all right all right also terms like, if more progressives win bam I'm a conservative yeah. Exactly. He's like, also, uh, who, who's been advocating for these policies that he says are popular from Biden's platform? Yeah. Like who's been trying to gut them by the way, (laughs) who said, who said when the $15 wage is being considered that, well, it's probably not going to pass the Senate. I can't take it. It wasn't Bernie. I cannot take it anymore. Like the far left is not the one gutting these programs. My guy, the far left is not the one gutting these programs. You could argue that it's the centrist gutting these programs, but I can guarantee you that the people you support are very happy that the centrists are taking the blame. Oh, they don't care because they did not want to vote for any of those things. Yeah, exactly. He goes on. He says, indeed, Biden's agenda has proved so uncontroversial that Republicans have barely roused themselves to denounce it at all. Instead, focusing on whether or, Instead, focusing on whatever culture war chum floats across Fox News from Dr. Seuss to the COVID vaccine mandates. Even the expected grumbling from progressives has largely failed to materialize because the agenda has included an ambitious list of progressive economic priorities that no less a left wing eminence than Sanders described as the most consequential piece of legislation for working families since the 1930s. (laughs) What is he saying? I don't know, dude. It's such fucking drivel. Yeah, no, it doesn't matter. He said an expected grumbling from progressives has largely failed to materialize. What is he talking about? Bitches like us been complaining since day one. Facts. I've been complaining for 21 episodes now. Yeah, and also Republicans have definitely roused themselves to denounce it. Stop yeah. acting as if it's uncontroversial. Republicans don't care. You're trying to make them look good, apparently. Uh-huh. And the the progressive left has like whined about it a lot, reasonably so. And by doing that, a lot more stuff has gotten into the bills that otherwise wouldn't have. Yeah, like not only not only is he saying that like people on the actual left don't act in good faith, he's saying that Republicans do. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, dog. 
if you look at that and you say that this guy is pretty politically literate, you're on the wrong pod. Yeah. He, he's literally a radical Bidenist. <laughs> Straight up a radical Bidenist. Acting as if radical Bidenism looks like. <laughs> yeah. Like if there was a political compass test that this dude took and it was like a little like a gauge, like a speedometer almost, mm-hmm. he would fall directly on radical Bidenism. Back to the uh, back to the Georgia Senate runoffs. If if you might recall, Kelly Loeffler versus Reverend Raphael Warnock, mm-hmm. the, the fire bar that Loeffler would dropped at the debates radical liberal Raphael Warnock yeah. that's that dude I yeah. used to think that radical liberal was an oxymoron but no that's this dude <laughs> this is him yeah. this is him he's literally a radical liberal and he does <laughs> he does go on to take a shot at mansion and cinema saying like they're not heroes they haven't actually done that much uh-huh. they've just been convinced that like they need to like save the country from radicalism which like yeah okay that's the one good point you've made this whole uh-huh. article um but then he goes on to give all the credit of the popular agenda to Biden even though he literally took the idea from progressives, you usurped it from all of the progressives. Which again, that's fine to take to take uh, policies that are popular, like steal them from candidates that you ran against, that yeah. you won against, whatever it may yeah, be. Like you can I take policies. Give a shit if politicians are stealing policy from one another, as long as it manifests in a material change. Exactly, but stop pretending like it was the liberals that came up with all these like universal policies uh-huh. you say are super popular, because they were not advocating for them. So stupid. So dumb. And then he even goes on. He says this. He goes, uh, the top items polled and Biden's Build Back Better plan were in order adding dental and vision benefits to Medicare. (laughs) Wonder who's been saying that for like the past eight years. Crazy. Home health care for elderly and disabled. Letting Medicare negotiate prescription drug prices. Wonder who's been Medicare coverage for hearing and free community college. I wonder who's been advocating for all those positions and more for literally his entire legislative career. Yeah. But he's the reason that Hillary lost, so he's bad. So true. He's the reason that Benghazi Hillary lost. I love how they can swoop in and just be like, this was my idea and it has been the whole time and you're bad. Mm -hmm. Like, that's that's all that this dude's doing. And I'm, I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. And he criticizes those who, like, oppose tax hikes, which is good. Mm-hmm. But also, he's criticizing the, those that are advocating for tax hikes. He's literally advocating, or he's literally criticizing anybody that isn't Joe Biden. Yeah, he he's shitting on any leftist that advocates for tax hikes. And then he says, yeah, redistribution of wealth is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he goes, on, he goes on to equate centrism to defunding the police, saying they're both politically harmful in the same way. The article is so incredibly disingenuous. Yeah. Yeah, it's so bad. Peak neoliberal, radical Bidenism. And the difference here is that, he, again, he says centrism is, is it is as politically harmful as defund the police was. But the thing is that centrism advocates to perpetuate everything the that's happening right quo. now. status quo, yeah. Perpetuate suffering. Defund the police, or you, know, you could sub in any leftist policy, advocates to minimize the harm that is being done mm-hmm. they're not the same thing mm-hmm. and you could say like the gop is painting us or painting the democrats with a a socialist brush to try to get everybody scared yeah. but he still blames that on the left <laughs> so what does he want he's just complaining he's perpetuating not perpetuate yeah he's perpetuating the idea that everything that the left does that is bad is like a function of the left rather than being forced onto them by mm-hmm. the right and further um, perpetuated through the media by liberals themselves. Yeah, crazy. Love this guy. And he ends on this I'll, final quote of the okay, whole par- okay. of the whole article. He says, "Biden's goal was to demonstrate the concrete benefits of good government 
and in doing so to disprove the cynical Trumpian claim that Washington was merely controlled by wealthy elites. Democrats still can come through on that come through on that promise if they can prevent the left wing and the plutocratic center from pulling the party apart. But time is running out and Trump is waiting. Banger uh, ending, right? Uh, Banger ending? B- restoring good government, proving to everyone that government isn't controlled by the wealthy. Mm-hmm. After, after taking all of the progressive ideas and ascribing them to Joe Biden, he's just like, yeah, we can still do it. He's like, and yeah, Joe Biden is really proving that the wealthy don't control politics. Yeah. Joe Biden is really proving through just everything going on in the Senate right now that the wealthy don't have their grubby little mitts all over everything in politics. I love it so much. Um, So to conclude, the article is just painfully liberal. That's all it is. It's just so painfully liberal. Like it hates on conservatives or it hates on centrists a little bit. Doesn't even mention the Republican Party, really. Mm -hmm. But still like ascribes all of the problems that are happening within the party to leftists that are demanding moral policies. Yeah. Um, it blames the far left for all of Biden's woes as if the left has like some kind of institutional support or millions or billions of dollars backing them, which <laughs> they literally donor. don't. The, as, as if the left is a shadow party. Yeah. Privatized shadow party. Yeah. You're trying to tell me that that's not just what the Democrats are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like any any rich people that actually support progressive ideas, like all the corporations that jumped on to like yeah. Black Lives Matter, defund the police, whatever. They don't actually support progressive ideas. They don't actually support socialist <laughs> ideas. They want the clout. Yeah. Like, that's it. We've talked about this before plenty of times on the pod. Anytime you see a rich person jump on a popular policy that's like getting a lot of traction from activists, they only do it because they sense the political winds are shifting and they want to get ahead of the curve before yeah. people start treating them as if they're like out of touch. And most of the time, it's it for is profit. Well calculated PR move. No. No. Oh no! I was saying it's. Not, I thought you were saying it's not a well calculated. No, no, no. PR it is move. a well calculated. Yes, PR it's a move. very yeah. well calculated PR move. Yeah, like it's it's <laughs> these corporate. They don't care about people. These billionaires, these progressive think tanks, don't really care about people that much. And the ones that do do not have a grip over the Democratic Party. Exactly. It, he's making it up. He's making it up. Um, and it ends up equating. He ends up equating these like progressive think tanks to massive industries. Like big coil and big oil and like big pharma and all these other industries that are just like crushing the American monstrous. It's not the same with a fucking death grip on the American economy and the American people. You're telling me lobbyists from big pharma have the same power as some whiny little 21 year old from the DSA. Literally fucking literally, dude. That's what he's saying. It's so dumb. It's like he's chronically online without being chronically online. Yeah. He's chronically online in the boomer sense. Yeah. Where. He sees like his uh his nephew or his niece retweet some shit mm-hmm. from the DSA. Yeah, you know. Yeah, or retweet some Hassan has a house shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he probably was so mad about that. He saw that Hassan was trending on Twitter. Started reading through what these fucking idiots were saying, and he's like, "Damn, bro, this is the shadow party that controls he's everything." Like, dang, Hassan bought a house. I gotta write an essay. <laughs> Um, but this this article is a really good example of pluralism, which, if you don't know, is a basically just a political philosophy that claims that political power is spread out amongst a variety of interest groups. Yeah. And when things happen, when policy decisions are made, it's a result of interest groups clashing or coming together to like form coalitions. Mm-hmm. Something he hates, by the way. Okay. Okay. But pluralism cannot fundamentally account for differences in economic power that groups have. Wow, so thought. yeah, his his idea that like big pharma is on par with groups like the DSA is so stupid. Mm-hmm. 
Like it, it's not the same thing at all. The DSA has like no fucking institutional power, yeah. dude. Because lacking lacking a a an economic analysis of what's mm-hmm. going on, lacking a an analysis of material conditions that people are exposed to, you come up with completely toothless and and stupid theories that can't predict anything like this guy. Yeah, like sometimes sometimes the DSA like gets a candidate elected into a local very small seat, like yeah. pretty much no stake seat. Yeah. And that's most of the extent. Yeah. And they they organize and do things boots on the ground. Yeah, at this point like the GOP doesn't even need to demonize socialism cuz this dude's doing it fine. They don't need to do anything. Yeah. And then <laughs> Then this guy just like gives Biden all the credit for progressive policies. Like he came up with them, really has cool. been championing them for his entire career in politics mm-hmm. for the last three hundred and forty years. Oh yeah, yeah. He's a super cool guy. Gotta love this guy. I think he's converted me. Oh, true. Yeah. I think I'm now a liberal. Everybody. I'm a radical Bidenist. I hope you like that breakdown. <laughs> Reading that article is really painful. for I me. I hope that wasn't as exhausting and painful for you as it was for me. Exactly. That was a a really tough breakdown, and you know we thought that maybe maybe giving some hate towards the libs was a good idea. Exactly. Trying to balance it all out. We got to make it balanced because uh, ahead in the office. We will attack the right as much as we attack the left. Oh yeah, because like, we're centrists. Some dude, some dude dropped a dropped a review and said like best liberal slander around or some shit like that. Exactly. That's us. That's me. we got conservative appeal. We got neoliberal appeal. Oh, that's facts. We got one guy. One guy. What can I say? Uh, I hope you enjoyed the episode, everybody. Yeah, if you made it this far, you're really something special making it through that cringe fest. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't expect it to be that long, but we appreciate you for staying around. Exactly. You know, just riffing. Riffing. You know us, big riffers. Um, But before we go, we got to give a special thanks to Cricket Scrapbook Layouts, Nikki Nine Lives, Caden Kraut, Terrence Nicholson, Chris the Postman, Christy Beck, and my mom for supporting the show on Patreon. Let's go. We love you guys. And you know what? We love all of you. And if you want to if you want to have your name shouted out, check out the Patreon. You know what to do. Check out the Patreon. Um, Help out the show. Go to our social medias. Boost the show. Share it with your friends. Share it with your dad. Facts. Radicalize your friends. Radicalize your friends with the pod. Uh, And we'll see you all next week. Have a good one. Bye, everyone.